it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for your company. Pedestrian safety is extremely important to people who are blind or vision impaired, as it is important to uh, everyone else in the community. This year at the BCA Connect event in September, Blind Citizens Australia released the latest iteration of the pedestrian safety policy. Here to talk to us about it this week is Jackson Reynolds-Ryan, who is the newly promoted Policy and Advocacy Manager of Blind Citizens Australia. Jackson, welcome back to the program and thanks for joining us. This isn't the first time that BCA's come up with a pedestrian safety policy. Why did we need to review it? Uh, for a few reasons. It was dated from 2009. Um, so the content itself was out of date. Uh, the style guide was out of date. It was it was not in, in BCA's current um, formatting. Um, and a whole lot of the policy contexts were out of date. Uh, and what I mean by that is that um, this, this policy, when it was written in 2009, um, it was barely 12 months after the the convention on the rights of people with disability was was signed and ratified by the united nations um it certainly hadn't been operationalized uh in in australia through the um, national disability strategy and now it's it's success of the australian disability strategy um uh, so it, it was out of date. It was uh, it wasn't fit for purpose, uh, and so we went back and we looked at well, what are what are those policy contexts? How does the the human rights aspect has how has that changed uh, in terms of how does this uh, interrelate with the Australian Disability Strategy? That is a document that's been signed on by both the federal government and all the state and territory governments. Um, and then also what what technology and what what other things have changed in everyday life? Because yeah, the 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 physical environment is very different uh, than it was uh, 12 years ago. What is in the policy? What what will people see when they download and read this? Well, pedestrian safety is such a, uh, a big area. Um, pedestrian safety has an impact on nearly every part of uh, people's daily lives. Um, so they found safety hazards are found throughout the community uh, and, and they can be a variety of different things. So there are stationary hazards, there are mobile hazards, um, some are temporary, some are permanent. And we've tried to go through um, and, and think about all of the things that people uh, might encounter in, in their life as a pedestrian um, and, and how does that impact uh, on a person who is blind or vision impaired and what are the solutions for some of those. Um, so I think most importantly, um, some of the things that we've seen in terms of the difference since the last policy um, is the uh, the rise of uh, personal mobility devices or e-ridables, um, which are, that, that's a, a, a umbrella term uh, that refers to the really wide range of electric powered devices so you're thinking e-scooters electric skateboards segways um, there's that's a whole category and they simply didn't exist in 2009 um, so we've, we've tried to uh, to update that to better fit with with what people are experiencing but there'll still be things like um, audio tactile traffic signals uh, tactile Absolutely. ground surface indicators um, you know, does it does it cover things like bus stops and footpath hazards, and and what does it say about those? 
we try and talk about uh, all of those things and, and tactile, audible tactile crossings uh, were a really important part of it and something that members told us uh, quite a lot in the consultation around this uh, was where uh, local authorities have been taking the decision to uh, turn down those uh, tactile uh, intersections, uh, those audible tactile inter in, uh, crossings, turn down the volume of those because of, of noise complaints um, and how much of an impact that makes on people's safety um, when they rely on that. So yes, we, we talk about that. Um, we talk uh, primarily uh, in terms of we haven't we haven't gone too deeply into uh, in, into public transport as such, but we've certainly talked about the fact that um, uh, silent vehicles uh, are something that has also appeared on the scene uh, and this is not just uh, personal uh, vehicles people's own uh, own electric vehicles but more and more um, uh, governments are, are deciding to invest in um, electric and hybrid um, fleets so electric buses for example um, so we've made a, a very uh, firm recommendation uh, that uh, we would like to see the Australian government mandate the installation of a uh, the AVA system the acoustic vehicle alerting system and we would like to see that in on all electric and hybrid vehicles, uh, not just the, the, the private ones, but also um, ones that are, that are used in public transport, for example. And this is something that's been talked about quite a lot since electric vehicles really came into being uh, probably 15 years ago. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a great deal of action happening in this area. What's the holdup, do you think, and are we likely to see some response there? I mean, this is not just a disability-related issue. This is an issue for, for anyone who has ever encountered um, a, a silent vehicle, um, for example, in car parks and things like that, where silent vehicles come up behind people who are completely unaware that they're there. Sure. It's not unfair to say that in, uh, like many areas of electric vehicle policy, Australia has not particularly stayed uh, up to date with the rest of the world. Uh, we've certainly seen a lot more progress on this Avis system uh, in, uh, in Europe uh, and in the United States. And that's, that's an approach that we would like to see the Australian government and, and state and territory governments uh, uh, take up really seriously. Uh, there are opportunities uh, in uh, in well, not this year, in 2023, as we're approaching, um, because the, the the federal government has indicated that they are uh, interested in, in holding inquiries about the feasibility of, of uh, a move to more electric vehicles. Um, we don't uh, oppose the, the move to electric vehicles. I think members made it clear that uh, for many of them, they actually quite supported the idea of uh, electric and hybrid vehicles uh, for the benefit to the planet, uh, to the benefit of sustainability, um, but with the proviso that there is this, uh, this system installed that would give them safety. And let's just touch on the, uh, the e-scooter word or the, the PMD as you, uh, you referred to it more correctly. What are people saying about PMDs, given the number of trials that have been uh, active across the country? There are some states now that are banning them from footpaths. There are some uh, where their trial programs are just being implemented, and there are, there are areas, of course, where the trial programs have been underway for some time. What are members saying about the e-scooters, and what's being done to protect vulnerable people in those areas? Again, this is a complicated area uh, where I think members have shown quite a 
quite a level of nuance uh, and sophistication in talking about these issues. Uh, I think there's a um, an possible uh, an understandable instinct to to push back against these devices and say that they're they're too dangerous and they shouldn't be part of um, part of the the um, transport infrastructure. Um, but I think members have actually realised wisely that um, the genie's a bit out of the bottle on that. These the, the technology has been developed. Um, and they are they are flooding out uh, the city streets. So the, the question now is, well, how do we make sure that they're safe? Um, absolutely. At the moment, there is no consistency uh, across different states and territories in uh, the, the way that these uh, devices have been allowed. Um, so, for example, in Victoria, uh, the only PMDs that are uh, that are are legal are the shared schemes um, that they have two operators that uh, that that run um, the the hire and ride schemes in Melbourne, and uh, you are only allowed to use devices um, run that are owned by those two two corporations. Um, however, uh, I, I can tell you from personal experience that, that there are far more than that on the streets of Melbourne at the moment. There are plenty of private devices um, that, are, that are just being used and I, I don't know uh, how often that's being enforced. Um, on the other hand, Western Australia has gone the other way and said that, that they've, they've opened it up that any device is legal provided it, it sticks to a certain speed limit. So we would like to see um, more more consistency on that and uh, certainly I, we would like to see uh, a stronger safety uh, focus. Um, I think the the, uh, the approach that, was, that has been um, taken uh, in Victoria of, of uh, uh, banning them from footpaths is really, really important. We'd like to see that to be the approach across Australia. Um, but that also comes with enforcement, uh, and that, that's been sorely lacking. Uh, in one sense, we I think from, from certainly a safety and accountability aspect, um, we found the fact that only uh, two operators um, are, are available in Melbourne um, has allowed us to have an, a, an element of dialogue um, that if if there are devices uh, that can be identified as going back to those those providers then we can talk to those providers about well what can they do to, to improve that if their rider behavior is, is inappropriate what can they what steps can they take um, the difficulty comes where there are privately owned devices um, because we have no recourse on that um, short of hoping the police will, will catch someone, um, there's, there's really no, no recourse to that. So um, certainly while we, while we sort out what, what the public um, etiquette around uh, that, that is accepted by our community and the rules and the laws around that, um, that having the two providers has, has allowed an, an element of, of dialogue and accountability between us and those providers. Are there any other issues uh, regarding pedestrian safety in this policy that we need to, uh, we need to bring to the attention of the listener? Uh, yeah, sure. Look, another an, another area that we encountered uh, that was just a sign of the times um, that and just wasn't there in in two thousand and nine or not to the to the same degree um, was the the rise of uh, safety bollards uh, in in capital cities. That's something that that members brought up a lot. So um, the these big concrete bollards uh, kind of came about um, in response to some some uh, pretty awful. Uh, global events uh, where there were mass, mass casualties attacks. Um, there was one in, in Burke Street in Melbourne in January of 2017 where um, there was a motorist who, who drove down 
down Burke Street Mall. Um, and so uh, the city of Melbourne began installation of concrete bollards uh, around some major pedestrian thoroughfares to try and avoid that. Uh, and then there was a series of terror attacks very similar in the UK and Europe in 2017 and 18, um, involving cars or vans being crashed into pedestrian areas. Uh, and so that, that approach of let's put up some bollards uh, was quickly adopted. Um, and it's a tricky one because we can tell that the, the motivation there from, from local, local governments is to protect pedestrian safety. Uh, and we welcome that commitment of pedestrian, uh, that commitment to pedestrian safety. Um, but from the feedback to members that unfortunately more could have been done to improve their design, uh, that it would reduce them actually creating a further hazard uh, because often these bollards are grey concrete on a grey background. Um, so we would like to see um, a much uh, more accessible way of, uh, of uh, highlighting these bollards to make sure that um, they are visible for, for people uh, who are vision impaired. It would be great if, if decision makers and, and, and city planners, when they, they're doing things like this, would talk to um, people who are blind or vision impaired and, and their representatives through uh, organisations like BCA because we could come up with some of these great ideas. Uh, we're going to continue to push the, uh, the importance of co-design uh, with, with decision makers. But yeah, you're exactly right. Well, Jackson, thanks once again for joining us on the program. And while I'm here, congratulations on your recent promotion. Thanks very much. It's a, it's a great new role and I'm enjoying it. And if you would like a copy of that pedestrian safety policy, have a look at the BCA website and uh, under the work of BCA you'll find their policy statements. Remember that recently the education policy was uh, redone and there are a few others besides. It's worth having a look at what BCA's policy positions are on these different things and how you might be able to use those policies in the future. If you'd like more information about these policies or anything else, you can contact Blind Citizens Australia by calling one 800 1-800-033-660 or of course you can email bca at bca.org.au bca at bca.org.au If you'd like a little bit more in-depth information about policy and advocacy we could probably do a little series on New Horizons Get in touch with me new.horizons at bca.org.au new.horizons at bca.org.au if that's something that would interest you. In the meantime, I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream of our